What up, what up, what up? Welcome to All in All Fins, the Fans Perspective Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Emperado. Uh, and today we just got an interview with Chad Forbes, and we're just going to talk Miami Dolphins and the AFC East. Um, and just like the overall, how he felt about things, because it's going to be nice to have kind of like an outsider's perspective on the Miami Dolphins, not necessarily a fan. So here we go. All right, so joining us on the podcast right now, we got Chad Forbes, um, and I'm just going to, you know, just kind of run through some Dolphins-related topics and kind of pick his brain on some stuff. Um, So, Chad, let me know, uh, what do you, uh, you know, as far as uh, your football career goes, uh, um, you know, what do you uh, try to focus on, and, you know, what what do you do as far as, um, I know I've seen a, I I know you, you know, you're pretty Twitter active, but. You know, what is your what is your focus? I, I don't write for anybody, so you can just find me on Twitter at NFL Draft Fights. Yeah. I kind of like the character limit. It keeps me uh, <laughs> yeah. Keeps me from focusing too much time on this stuff. Um, this isn't like what I do for a full time job, so it's kind of a hobby that grew into um, grew into something more, and uh, been I guess tweeting and talking about all the NFL for the last you know ten years or eight years, whatever it is, and uh, built a little bit of a following and just have some fun with it. Yeah, I was going to say, you do have a decent following on Twitter, and, um, you know, I, I did see that you gave the Dolphins an F for their offseason in the draft. Is that right? I did. Yeah. Um, what did you not, or what did you not like about what they, you know, what they executed this year? Well, I mean, I like the Byron Jones signing, and I do like the direction the head coach has them going in. I just think that Chris Greer really failed in the sense that, you know, you give up Laramie Tunsil and Minka Fitzpatrick, he turned it into that draft hall, which is like the fifth best offensive tackle who's probably a year away. He turned it into another cornerback because he weren't smart enough to go up and get Cesar Ruiz, Robert Hunt, to a 24-year-old guard. Reminds me a lot of a guy they had a few years ago, Billy Turner. Doesn't like, don't like his mobility, and he's hurt just like Austin Jackson. I don't like hurt guys. Then you get Raekwon Davis, you draft him early. Guy that had huge character and medical questions coming out of Alabama. I mean, you know, you talk about the Alabama staff, they're always going to eat a wax poetically about how much they love their players. Raekwon Davis, they were just like flat out, yeah, he's really immature and we don't really trust him. So you take him in round two, it just strikes me as early. Then all of a sudden, the Jets take Ashton Davis in round three right ahead of you guys at 68. And rather than going up and getting your guys on the first two days, hey, have all that draft capital, you might as well go get your guys, right? So Chris Greer just sat there after two of fell into his lap, and he's like, I'm going to let the board fall to me. But what happened? You got the fifth-best tackle. You got a 24-year-old guard I don't like. You got another corner, which, you know, do you need another corner? I don't think so. You overdraft Raekwon Davis and that safety out of Texas. And then all of a sudden you're sitting there on day three, and you're saying, okay, let's go get our players. But really the time you should sit and let the draft fall to you is day three. And on day one you should have been more active in going up to get your guys. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that Chris Greer came out after the draft and said that he he had a few times where he you know got upset and slapped slapped the table as like what I think he said or something like that. I thought it was interesting because like you touched on, um, I think there was three times in the draft at least the first two days that I saw that the Dolphins kind of like you said they should have went up and got their guy Cesar Ruiz, J.K. Dobbins because I heard that Eric Studsville was a big J.K. Dobbins fan, who is the Dolphins running back coach. And then um, Ashton Davis was the third one after um, 
you know, his DB coach from Cal is now the DB coach for the Dolphins. So um, I agree there. I think that um, I just think the direction they went in um, was definitely interesting because Chris Greer mentioned, like, you know, he has they have the most flexibility and they didn't really utilize it. But I think they stuck to their board and, and got the guys that they wanted. It, you know, with Brian Flores running um, or going to the Auburn Pro Day and um, the speculation that maybe he was looking to pick Derek Brown up at five or something and really um, I think it was more that he was eyeballing Noah Igbenogny and maybe Marlon Davidson, but obviously that didn't develop into anything. Um, and then... As, I mean, coaches are going to go to pro days, especially ones like at Auburn, Alabama, LSU, so I don't ever... I know it's like fun. Like For example, the general manager of the Panthers went to the pro day at Lenore Ryan, right? Yeah. Which granted, it's a local school, but like when you see the general manager show up at Lenore Ryan, for Kyle, you, know, you know he's interested in Kyle Duger. I wouldn't really buy too much into like he showed up at Auburn. What I thought was they traded down from 26th for Noah, I can't pronounce the last name. Yeah. Look at the terms of that trade. They didn't get a good deal, right? When you trade down like that, it's because somebody stole your guy. And it was just so clear to me that Cesar Ruiz was like the perfect fit. And then, you know, they should have done their homework and said, okay, the Saints are going to like this guy. They've been shopping Larry Warford around the league. Last year they drafted Eric McCoy. This kid's nearly identical to him in like virtually every way. He's got position flexibility. And the fall off between Cesar Ruiz and the next group of center and guards, to me, was just seismic. So I really thought they should have gone up and gotten him. Yeah, I think two things that they really tried to focus on in the draft was they, they definitely were going after, I don't, I don't want to say character guys because I don't know if that is necessarily the word because they didn't always stick to that. But um, And then when they went linemen, they, you know, I, I saw how excited Brian Flores was over Raekwon Davis. And, and to be honest, if he came out of the draft like a year earlier, and not that he could, but if he, if he was, um, you know, older and he came off that, what, nine sack season or something like that, he, you know, he would have been a first round pick probably at that point. Um, but, you know, I think that they stuck to their, you know, their draft position way too much in the first few days. But um, not that I hate their draft, um, but I think that they kind of just not only they kind of got themselves stuck in a position where like they had to take the best available um, lineman that was available at, tw- at um, 18 when they probably tried to move up and get Tristan Wirfs when he fell down the board, but I'm not exactly sure. The thing is, they weren't willing to give up. The 49ers wanted to move out of 13 and get a big big haul for it, and they were willing to move to 18, but they wanted a good, a good package, and the Buccaneers ended up giving them pick 117 and pick 14 to move up one slot, right? Because the Dolphins weren't willing to do the deal. Now, the question to me is if the Jets took Worfs, right? Mm-hmm. And Becton was there at 13. Are they willing to go up for him? And uh, I actually think that Becton could have fallen into their laps, actually, if uh, he hadn't gone 11. But I do believe they liked Becton over Worfs. Yeah, um, I think that a lot of it comes down to um, they they – are going after huge, huge linemen. I mean, I think that the average lineman on the team is like 320 pounds, which isn't unheard of, obviously, but um, they got some pretty big guys, and um, Beckton probably would have fit in the best there. So if the Jets – and I'm honestly – are you are you surprised that they went Beckton over Henry Ruggs, being that Adam Gase is the head coach? No, I mean, they got to get the offensive line right, and you can find wide receivers anywhere, and 
they ended up getting Denzel Mims in the second round. So I, I thought that was really a smart move. But to me, it's just like if you're going to have $100 million of cap space, which is basically what the Dolphins had, right, you got to do better than signing Eric Flowers, Teddy Karras, drafting the fifth-best tackle in the draft, and then a guard that I personally don't like, maybe they do. So it's like, to me, the, the area you really should have upgraded was the offensive line in free agency, right, and then in the draft. You should have double-dipped there. And then you look at the run defense last year. It sucked, right? Yep. They got run all over, and they were running this the defense where we love being versatile, but we're not physical, which I can't stand those as defense. I think you got to get physical first before you get versatile. I would have gone out in free agency. I know the Bengals paid him a lot of money, but DJ Reader really wanted to go to Miami. You put DJ Reader in the middle of that defensive line, all of a sudden you solve the issue with the run defense. So I, I, that's the direction I would have gone. I don't like what they did with Raekwon Davis and bringing back Gotcha. I thought they should have had drop back John Jenkins, who got basically nothing from the Bears because he's a good player for them last year. And then you know what? You bring in Emmanuel Ogba and, and Shaq Lawson, and you cycle out Charles Harris and uh, Charles Harris and Taco Charlton. Well, let's be honest. Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Ogba a year ago. They were basically the same players Charles Harris and Taco Charlton are today. Disappointing, highly picked players. Yeah, I think Shaq Lawson had a nice bounce back year last year, and I I think um, the way that because the way that the Brian Flores defense is is they're kind of they're not really looking for somebody to have 15, 20 sacks or anything like that. But just circling back to the way they handled the the off season, I think what happened is at least from what I heard, is they, they kind of had two people targeted and then everything else changed when that changed. So um, Jadavian Clowney, they targeted him, and then he said he you know basically told him to kick rocks for the second time. Um, and then um, um, Joe Tooney, and when he got tagged, um, you know that's when it went Eric Flowers and Shaq Lawson, and that's you know that's where it changed, and then that's where the money freed up for for Byron Jones at that point. Right, that's what probably makes a lot of sense. That once Tooney got tagged, they reallocated the money into the books, let's build the strike on the strike with Byron Jones, and you put him up at his opposite Xavier Howard. It starts to give you a little bit of an identity on defense, but then you got to say, why are you going corner again in the draft? I understand you have the pundits love to say, oh, you can't have enough corners, but come on, to me. You can't have a decent enough offensive line if you're going to draft two a fifth overall to try to keep him healthy. Yeah, I think it will be interesting to see if they can make something out of Robert Hunt at right tackle because I think if they drafted him to play right guard and have Jesse Davis play right tackle, I don't love that pick. But if they can make him into a right tackle and Austin Jackson can, you know, turn into a, a decent career, I think that, unfortunately, um, because I, I was a huge Laramie Tunsil fan just like any other Dolphins fan, and I think it was just one year that, you know, they took what they could for him, which was a lot at the time, um, and it, because they weren't going to be ready to pay him, and he reset the tackle market, so I understand where they were coming from there. Um, but, you know, they just had so many holes in there, in, you know, on their team that um, I think they kind of didn't have a choice when Bill O'Brien no, called. I mean, the package they got for Tunsil was really, I mean, impressive, so you can't really knock them for doing that deal, and but I, I just, you know, I think the play, the players they took I don't like, and I think Robert Hunt's a, a right guard. I don't think he's a tackle. I actually like the guy they had playing right tackle last year. They signed to a, a pretty team-friendly extension. Um, I don't like the situation at center one bit. I, I mean, I don't think – you look at, like, the Patriots, right? You know, and some of the guys up there just talking about how they lost uh, their starting center last year. 
had to replace him with Teddy Karras so the Dolphins ended up giving $4 million. They were, like, just searching around the league for a center that they thought would be better than Karras. I mean, this guy gets blown into the backfield by a decent nose tackle all the time. So I don't understand that move. And then what are they going to do with Michael Dieters? I don't think he's a very good player. So I think they've just made a lot of bad moves along the offensive line. Yeah, I think Michael Dieter is best to play center, honestly, because, um, you know, if, especially if he had two decent guards on both sides of him, um, because he, you know, like he was not he was not good at guard last year, and he even filled in a tackle a couple times. Uh, but Jesse Davis he is... He struggles bend, though. That's the problem, is he's not very flexible. And you can't really put a guy at center who struggles to bend, you see, and that's kind of the basis and foundation of what the position asked for. Yeah, I mean, um, and obviously that that's going to be up to them to decide, but I just think he's a misfit on the offensive line now at this point because he came into the, the draft at 309. I think he's probably gained weight from there from since then, obviously, um, but he definitely has a lot of work if he's even going to even play on this uh, offensive line. I kind of like what they did at running back. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. Matt Breida for a fifth-round pick was a nice nice little deal, even though he's only only on a one-year deal right now. I think the veteran running back market is a really undervalued place to go hunting for talent. And uh, I like Jordan Howard because I think, you know, compared to Kalen Balazs, that's a huge upgrade. He's a tough guy that's been undervalued by the teams he's been with. And, you know, I really just in short yardage being able to pound it up in the middle of the line of scrimmage. I mean, I think watching Kalen Balaz last year, if you're a Dolphins fan, I mean, when they put him in the game, I said they're tanking. They, they want to lose because he might be the worst running back. I, that, that has talent. There's been worse running backs who had no talent. You watch the preseason, you say, oh, he can't play in the NFL. But of a guy who has actually some talent, Kalen Balaz might be the worst NFL back I've ever seen. Yeah, he came out last year and ended up saying he has nothing to prove. The dude has less than a two-yard per carry average. So I think, like, it's hard to do. <laughs> I think he has a lot to prove, you know. Hard to do. Um, Sale, do you got anything for him? Um, I was just I was just listening and listening to you guys talk. Um, I think like what you were saying with the uh, draft picks and trading away uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, I know with Minka Fitzpatrick, he didn't want to stay in Miami. Uh, they didn't want to trade him um, because he wanted to just play safety in Miami, and Flores wanted to use him in multiple positions. So they were kind of forced to trade him. Um, and then with the, uh, I agree with the Austin Jackson pick. He's a, he's a project tackle. Um, but I think his potential is so high that if he can get to that ceiling that he could reach, I think it's, he's going to be a solid left tackle in the league. Um, so I, I, I agree and disagree with you there, but, uh, the Noeg McNaghy pick, I didn't expect that at all either. Um, but if you got three guys at corner that could really lock down the opposing, wide receivers um it really opens up a lot of things on defense and when you sign guys like Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Agba and Kyle Van Noy it kind of frees them up to to get to get to the passer and and get more of a coverage sack kind of if you have better coverage in the back end um so I agree with you you don't really need a corner but I think it it'll do nothing but help you and help other aspects of your defense as well yeah I, I, I agree with you I like Nick Needham I like Bobby McCain yeah, I agree. There. And that's, just, that's just the way that I view it. I'm also not a huge defensive back guy. I watched the Chiefs win the Super Bowl with uh, an undrafted guy and um, a corner making a $2 million start on the opposite side. 
So I'm not really a big believer. And I know that, you know, the analytics people are pushing coverage over pressure, but I don't really buy it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm a big coverage guy. So, um, Last thing on the Dolphins draft, how do you feel about Curtis Weaver and his his kind of slip down the board? I mean, the kid looked like shit. So like, if you're not in shape and you look kind of dumpy, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna fall in the draft, right? Like, you look at these guys that play in the NFL; they're they brick shit houses. So you can't look as dumpy as that kid did and think you're gonna go in the top top 100 picks, even with that good production. So if they can get him into an NFL strength and conditioning program and get him serious about it. Yeah, he's definitely got a chance, and, and you know you can't deny the fact that he's been productive. He's got some instincts for rushing the passer, and he uses his hands pretty well. So I didn't mind that pick. I thought it was a pretty good one. Yeah, I think they got. I think he fell um, based on lack of you know NFL teams getting their hands on him and kind of seeing what they could do for him. And I think um, you know that wasn't really on Miami's board. I I wouldn't guess at least he doesn't really fit the fit the mold. Um, but as far I, so I saw that you know just running back to um, draft grades, the Bills getting an A. I'm just curious, um, what did you love, or did it have a lot to do with Stephon Diggs or AJ Epinesa? Kind I, I of. I love that they went out and got Stephon Diggs. I thought that was just a really smart move because you could put a young wide receiver in there. I understand it's a, it's a strong draft class, the position, but they needed a guy that's a veteran where you're going to take all the pressure off of Josh Allen and be like, listen, I get open and I separate, just just throw it into me. So I really like that move. I like that they continue to fortify the depth along both defensive and offensive lines. Um, and I, I just thought overall they're going in the right direction there. And the draft pick of getting the, the running back in round three and the defensive end in round two. It's like they're up in Buffalo. They're building it the right way. They're getting their guys. I didn't love the Josh Norman move, but I really like that they brought in A.J. Klein for some depth to linebacker. I just thought they're getting their guys and doing a pretty good job. Yeah, I, I didn't love the Zach Moss pick just for a fit for them. Um, AJ Epinesa was a nice pick for them in the second round. I, I agree there. Um, the only thing I say about Diggs is I just wonder how he's going to handle the, like, especially with the accuracy issues that Josh Allen does have. Yeah, I, I know they scheme the offense around these kind of short, inter, like, intermediate passing game kind of because, you know, his long ball accuracy is, is god-awful. But I agree that they kind of needed to go get a veteran because last time they reached on a wide receiver in the draft or if they felt like they needed to move up to get one of the top tier again, like they got burned on Sammy Watkins. So. I mean, Stephon Diggs is still 25 years old and he's under contract for the next four years and $48 million now. So that's like a huge bargain. He's probably going to want more money in a year or two, but he's got huge incentive to perform. So I think he's going to be a good soldier for the first year. And then it'll be incumbent upon the Bills to probably make him happy financially. And with Diggs, you just, I mean, he's better than DeAndre Hopkins. Like, the NFL, it's so funny how, like, fans love DeAndre Hopkins. And then you talk to people who, like, really, like, either coach the position or evaluate just wide receiver in general. And they absolutely love Stephon Diggs because he creates easy separation. He's kind of like a healthier version of Odell Beckham in that sense. Wow, I have, yeah. that, that's the first time I've heard that, that's for sure. I think DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> has, has the best hands in the league, probably. He makes some uh, insane catches. He's a great catch. hands, but does he get open? I, 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 guess, I, I guess I'm going to be honest with you. I I, I think that Stephon Diggs, like, I, I guess he's, he's, he's always been... He's a contested catch guy that doesn't get open. And all of a sudden you take the speed out of the offense. So like when Will Fuller is hurt, that's why they had to go out and get Kenny Stills. Because if you can't put a vertical dimension in that offense, the safeties will just crash down on them on the slants and stuff. 
I mean, DeAndre Hopkins compared to Stephon Diggs, I don't think it's close, but Diggs is a better player. Yeah, I just I just wonder, that, how do you feel about Thielen versus Diggs then? Thielen's a good player, but he slowed down last year when he got hurt. Yeah, and he was he's hurt. gotten better working out of the slot and out wide, where Diggs can either beat press coverage or play flanker. And Thielen, he's just better in the slot at this point, which is kind of like diminishing his value because you can find slot receivers. It seems like they're always open to where the guys that went out wide are really the way the value is. What were you going to say, Sale? Yeah, uh, um, I, with the Bills, what I found interesting, um, I, I agree with the Stephon Diggs. I th- I, uh, I like him a lot. I think he's easily a top five receiver in the league. Um, but what what Nick said is, I don't. He was upset that he wasn't getting the ball enough in Minnesota. Um, so I'm just interested to see how he's going to react to maybe. I, he'll be the number one target, obviously, in Buffalo, but. If he can't get deep and catch the balls, because Josh no, Allen is it. Why Stephon Diggs wasn't happy in Buffalo, right? Like, Say it again. Read some tea leaves. Actually, in Minnesota, he signed a contract that was well below market a year early, right? Which the Vikings do—they lock guys into contracts that end up looking like Daniel Hunter's on one. Then, in a year from after signing, they look absolutely terrible, right? And the Vikings also tell guys, "No, we're not going to redo it. You signed the deal, right?" So Stephon Diggs is sitting there saying, I signed this contract that's not very good, right? I'm going to make $48 million over the next four years. These guys aren't going to do anything about it. I'm not happy, right? Now he goes to Buffalo where they basically, like, have told him, you come in here and you make this quarterback we drafted who has no accuracy good, and we'll write you a check next offseason again and make this contract right. So I actually think that he'll be happy in Buffalo for a year. And if Josh Allen's just so terrible and he can't fix him, then he, they're going to have some issues with him, you know, wanting more money, and they're not going to want to give it to him, meaning the general manager and head coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree completely with that. Um, uh, you know, with why he was unhappy in Minnesota, and if he can help out Josh Allen, that the Bills will be willing to give him a bigger contract and and make him happier. But if it doesn't work out, I think you know he'll be more unhappy than he will be happy if it does work out. If that kind of makes sense. Oh, no, it could go, it could go really south, right? No yeah. About that. But by really, by really south, I think you're saying that, okay, this didn't work out a year from now. He's still 26 years old. You move him along for, to somebody for, like, a second-round pick. So, like, kind of the way that Brandon Cooks got moved around a little bit. Um, so it, I don't think Diggs' value will really necessarily, like, completely evaporate, but it could be a huge upside that, like, you're not going to get out of Justin Jefferson or – you know, Brandon Ayuk, like, you're getting a guy who's really proven, and you're kind of going all in on the quarterback you drafted in Josh Allen. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think that's fair. Um, speaking of the quarterbacks, I'm interested to what you think about the Bills taking Jake Fromm. Because um, we've talked about it, and I, I like Jake Fromm, and I thought uh, it would have been – I mean, I, I think he's in a bad situation in Buffalo because he's got a lot of talent and he's young – but he just doesn't fit with the Bills, and the Bills aren't really going to move on from Josh Allen. So, like, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that pick, really? I mean, he went in the fifth round, right? So it's not like they made a huge investment. And I made a joke probably before the combine saying the best fits for all the quarterbacks in the draft, and I joked that he should go to the Tampa, Tampa Bay Vipers. And the guy that I compared him to is Aaron Murray, who was also another Georgia quarterback. I just don't think the talent's there. So you're right, the wind in Buffalo. 
that'll be a huge factor. And he's really the opposite type of quarterback compared to Josh Allen, which doesn't make a lot of sense necessarily from like how you want to build a team. But what I'll say about him is that it's not quantifiable, and really you can't explain it. He did beat out Jacob Eason and Justin Fields at Georgia and hold them off, right? These are two guys that right. are like, I mean, Jacob Eason, whatever you want to say, he went in the fourth round. The kid has got tons of talent. Justin Fields is a top two or five pick next year. So Fromm has something, and he's also, and you know, people won't like to hear this, but he's you know a really good guy that everybody likes and very easy to get along with. So he'll kind of slide into that backup quarterback role, kind of like the way Frank Reich did for Jim Kelly. And you won't even notice he's there, but it'll be you know be an asset to the team. So I don't hate the hand in the fifth round. I don't think it's necessarily a great fit, but uh, you know he could be the long a long term backup in the NFL. Yeah. So I just want to end it on um, the kind of the landscape of the AFC East. How, like, just like. You know, obviously this year the Bills are the favorite to win the AFC East, and I can see that. But, um, you know, over the next few years, based on, you know, Josh Allen, Tua, Sam Darnold, and possibly Jared Stidham's development, um, how do you see the AFC East panning out for, like, let's just say the next five years or so? Who do you think's building the, think building the best they, program? The three teams outside the Patriots, their futures are really tied to their quarterbacks, right? How good is Josh Allen, Tua, and Sam Darnold? And can they really elevate the franchise? And can the general managers in there really build around them effectively? With the Patriots, I think it's really a one-year trial for Jarrett Stidham. He's talented. He's a five-star recruit. They're the best-run franchise in all sports. They'll probably get it right. I think they still win the AFC East just because, really, it's been kind of a poorly-run division around them for so many years, and they still have that defense. So in the next five years, you know, Tua, it's going to be all about the health. Is he healthy? And can they build an offense around him? Does the RPO system continue to kind of dominate the NFL landscape? And really, that'll be the question down in Miami. But I do really like the coach there. I think the general manager is a little lost and clueless, but I really do think they have a great young coach. And that's really important because it's a coach-driven league. And up in Buffalo, really, they have a great tandem, a general manager, head coach, but they don't have the quarterback. That's the huge issue. And then the Jets are just, you know, they're going to have the second toughest <laughs> schedule in the NFL this year. And... That's, you know, they got a young quarterback who's still 22 years old, won't turn 23 until this summer. And uh, they haven't done a good enough job of really drafting or building around him. They're on, like, their fourth general manager in the last decade, and that says a lot. So they've got a huge size of rebuild there, and it's really shocking to me they found a way to go 7-9 last year with your old coach Adam Gase, who went 6-2 and two in the second half. He, he's notorious for winning those, um, win, you know, winning just enough to be stuck in the middle. And just circling back to um, – Chris Greer. You know what's so funny in this post-draft press conference, what he said was, oh, I'm getting used to picking here around 11 or 13 or 10, 11 or 13. I was it's just true, like, yep, dude. out of you really are stuck in the middle. Yeah, stuck in the middle. And you know who, you know who loves to say that is Big O. You, you, you're, he's a follower of yours, so I don't know if you know him. But, yeah, uh, I know Big O. Yeah, so Big O loves to say, you know, he, he says the worst spot um, in the league is stuck in the middle. But just real quick. Sir, it is. Sir, That's a true statement. It is. But circling back to Chris Greer, I agree that sometimes um, he he's too stuck in his ways, and I get nervous that um, Brian Flores is going to, you know, like boost who he actually is and how he does as a job because I think as a coach, um, the fact that he got five wins out of that team last year, I think the future is bright in Miami for sure. Yeah, you know what, if you're going to have a coach or a general manager and one of them is going to be great, it better be the coach. And I think what will happen there in Miami is, you know, Chris Greer 
will get it right, and maybe I'm wrong, and he's a great general manager, or eventually Flores will you know, blow him out and bring in his own guy. But I really do believe that they got it right down there. And it's so rare because you know, every year six or seven coaches are hard, and maybe two teams get it right. And I definitely think Miami is one of the teams that got it right making that hire last offseason. And not a lot of people were very optimistic about it going in because it wasn't like he had a huge profile besides being a defensive assistant with the Patriots. Yeah, and uh, I think that you could probably see down the road that, you know, you might not know it, especially if they have a GM in spot, but he might be running the team just like Bill Belichick's running the Patriots, even though he's both. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I really appreciate you coming on, Chad. I, I thank you so much. And um, just, again, let uh, let them know where they can find you and, you know, on Twitter and everything like that, too. Well, sure. Well, first of all, I apologize to Miami Dolphins for giving them an F in their offseason grade. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I humbly ask them to follow me on Twitter at NFL Draft Bites. And, uh, guys, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thanks. Take Have care. a good one. Do it again. All right. And that was uh, Chad Forbes. And, guys, listen, if you might not like all his opinions, and obviously um, we're going to go to bat for our, our team. Um, but just like Omar Kelly, he gets a lot of hate. Um, because he doesn't necessarily tell you what you want to hear, but he doesn't agree with everything that the Dolphins did, and that's all right. You know, we're not here to we're not here to argue with how he feels about what the Dolphins did. But you know, I feel good. I feel good about the direction they're going in. I feel good that this is you know they're going to dominate the AFC East for the next ten to twenty years. Personally, because like he said, it comes down to the quarterback, and the only team right now that's got the right quarterback is is the Dolphins. So. I'm excited, and um, I'm, I know Sal is, so I'll let you finish it off here, Sal. Yeah, um, like you were saying, he's not going to agree with everything. You know, this is a, we're, we're Dolphins fans. Um, pretty much everyone listening, I would assume, is a Dolphins fan as well. So we're all going to, you know, maybe have a little bit of bias. So it's it's also interesting to see somebody with no bias what they think and, and their outside point of view. Um, but... For sure. I mean, I, I agree to some points that he said. I disagree to some of the other points he said, but uh, I, I think it was all valid, and it was just interesting to hear, hear what he had to say and what he had to think, you know, outside of outside of us two, you know. Right. It, yeah, it's always good to hear some outsiders keep you interested because, you know, we're all just going to give you the same the same story. You know, you could break it down any way you want to. But, um, look, guys, we'll continue to, you know, try to add, add people in here. I, I do have um, – like I said before, I, I have a friend that um, is a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. He's going to come on this weekend. I'm going to record something with him. I'm not sure when I'm going to post it, but I know we are playing the Jags week three, Thursday night football. That's a confirmed leak right now because we are recording this about 30 minutes before the schedule comes out. Um, so we'll talk a little Jags. Um, and I do have, I have a buddy that's a Patriots fan, so he's going to hop on here. Um, but we'll probably talk to him a few times because I'm curious to see how he's feeling. Um, but we'll keep we'll keep getting interviews. I'll keep trying to reach out to people and see what we can get, and we'll try to grow this. Again, follow me on Twitter, All in All Fins. Um, whatever you listen to to this on, I did a poll. It looks like um, Spotify and iTunes are one and two, or well, Apple Apple Podcasts and Spotify are one and two. Um, so we'll keep po- uh, pushing those, and if you um, if you listen on, on any streaming services, just follow, um, subscribe, leave a review, and um, fins up.